Hey everyone, this is Scott with Leading Edge Archery. I think we're on our fifth podcast. That music's awesome, by the way. I hey. love that. Um, Jason, no, I just got to get you to understand what they're saying. Yeah, I have no clue. I'm going to learn Spanish one of these days. <laughs> yeah. I, no, it's been 20 years. I don't think you're... What? <laughs> How long have you been living in Texas, Scott? Too long. Yeah, exactly. 12 years, maybe. Yeah. And can you order a beer in Spanish? <laughs> Isn't it cerveza? Yeah, we're, we're making some, some progress. Absolutely. Congratulations. So, um, just to let you guys know, I, I'm going to sound really muffled, probably, because I'm fighting this crap in Texas called cedar fever. And if you've never been to South Texas this time of year, we have cedar trees down here. And they're blooming, trying to reproduce, because the cold weather is making them think they're dying. And it, I heard the most allergenic pollen that is created on the planet. And I don't know how Bridger hasn't been succumbing to it yet. As an Iowa boy, you should be dying right now. Drugs, man. Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> because I have like practically been in the hospital, it feels like. But I got a shot yesterday, so I feel a lot better. And Jason was grew up in this crap, so it doesn't affect him at all. Yeah, I, I think I got sick for like one day. Yeah. I went home, took some man-up pills, and I'm good to go. There you go. Um, but, man, we're really excited about today's episode because we have uh, the Latin queen of archery on, uh, on uh, board today, Mrs. Linda Ochoa from uh, Hoyt Archery. Super excited to have her. <laughs> Hi, everyone. How are you doing, Linda? I'm doing okay. How about you? We are doing awesome and so excited to get a chance to talk with you and pick your brain on the sport of archery. And we want to hear something cool. I've actually told a couple of our young shooters. Uh, I've got two youngster female shooters. I think one of them is like 12 and one is 11. And I can tell you they are waiting for this episode to come out. <laughs> they, <laughs> That's they, awesome. They idolize you. So it's going to be kind of cool. I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, I mean, Jason, I know you had done some notes and taken some things on maybe a direction of this. So I'm going to probably let you lead a little of this, and then I think Bridger and I will just step in when, when, when appropriate. Um, but maybe, you know, I guess to start with, if you could maybe talk about, you know, how you got into archery, you know, what got you into this sport, um, and then, you know, give you a chance to talk about your growth and what you've done to, to help accomplish some crazy, incredible goals uh, over the last, you know, a dozen years I think you've been shooting. So... Go ahead and take the floor. Uh, well, I, I'm from Mexico, and um, it all started with my dad. He, he actually loves hunting. And since I remember, I grew up just, you know, like listening to hunting stories and all that. So when we were uh, young, my dad got us a bow since we were kids. And eventually, like in Mexico, they didn't have a lot of female archers. Um, and I have an older sister, so I, I don't remember who it was, but it might have been my uncle. I think you guys maybe know him, Ruben Ochoa. Uh, yeah, Bridger knows him. Quite well, <laughs> quite well, quite yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> That's a story well, for later. Uh, yeah, well, um, I think he like introduced my sister to target archery, and um, my dad, I think, like my family, they like sports. Like everything, you know, like especially soccer since in Mexico is like huge. Um, so they were all excited and she started and I'm a middle child and, you know, like <laughs> I never knew what to do. So I always follow my sister and um, I always wanted to do everything she did. So she started shooting tournaments and winning tournaments and I wanted to do the same. So I started when I was, I don't know, maybe like um, 10 years old, kind of. 
And uh, yeah, so I started shooting like national tournaments and then eventually I made the Mexican team and I was in the Mexican team for about 17 years. <laughs> wow, that's Until, awesome. Yeah, quite a bit long, yeah. Um, and then uh, I met Steve, I moved to the U.S. and I become a professional archer and that's what I do now. That is awesome. So yeah. you're actually come from a hunting background family that migrated into the target archery sport. Yes. That's mm -hmm. awesome. So do you ever hunt? I have never hunted. Really? Um, yes. So I think I I think I got into target archery really early in my life. And you know target archery just I I love target archery so I just did that like every single day and just being in the Mexican team and you start I started with like you know small goals and then bigger and bigger and I feel like in archery there is like a the never ending story with goals because there's always another tournament um so I just uh decided to do that and but I mean now that I'm with Steve and I live here in the U.S. and I have friends that uh, they like hunting. I'm, I'm ex like I like it. I'm, I don't take that out of the books. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's good. I think you love it if you got a chance to 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 take a an animal with a bow. This is pretty incredible. And for those listeners who don't know, she's talking about Steve. That is her illustrious husband, who also is a touring pro for Hoyt Archery. Um, Steve Anderson. So I forgot. It's Linda Ochoa Anderson to be politically correct. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's okay <laughs> <laughs> that's okay um but yeah it, that, that's cool i i uh for our young listeners out there have you started out with hoyt have you shot them your entire career so i started with the matthews huh? well first uh, when we when i was a kid i think we had like a bear <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um we actually shared it like me and my siblings it was funny but um and then I shot up Matthews for, I don't know, like 10 years maybe. And in 2010, I switched to Hoyt. Gotcha. And I, yeah, and I've been shooting Hoyt since, uh, since then. Gotcha. And how long have you been in the States now? So I'm going to, so in 10 days, it's going to be, or anniversary, it's going to be five years that we have been married, me and wow. Steve. But I've been living in the U.S. for uh, three years and a half just because, you know, like getting the green card is a long, long process. Right. So it took me a year and a half to move here. But, but yeah. So do you like, as far as archery is, goes, is there a lot of similarities between the Mexican archery and coming over to the United States? I know you shoot most of your tournaments here, um, but is it, is, it as, is it as a robust of a sport in Mexico as it is here in the States? I think it's getting bigger and bigger in Mexico, but it's it's totally different here in the U.S. Gotcha. Totally, totally different. Um, I, I don't know. It's just way different. Here in, in the U.S., I think archery is huge. You can go to any tournament you want. Like, if you don't have anything to do on a weekend, you just, you know, Google go it and you find a tournament and go and shoot. Uh, in Mexico, it's not that way. Gotcha. Yeah, and you guys are in a perfect area right there in the Salt Lake City area uh, where you can go and find a tournament just about anywhere within driving distance. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that's nice. I see you guys shooting Idaho quite a bit. 
Yes, so we shoot uh, Utah Open, Idaho Open. Um, it's just nice that that's what I like about here in the U.S. You you can actually pick which tournaments you want to go. So how do you like the cold weather? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was I was actually thinking about that on the yeah. on the drive to the shop because it's seventy five degrees and sunny when I was driving over here. Right. And I was like, man, oh, we're gonna yeah. be on the phone with Linda, and I saw a, a an Instagram post earlier that it's snowing. Is it snowing now? It is. I, it stopped uh, like a few hours ago. How, how cold and, is it? Uh, well, I, I don't even know. I do Celsius. It's like okay. two Celsius. Yeah. I still don't. Um, two Celsius. That's Celsius. That's like 36. That's yeah. Hey, guess so, what? That's really cold. Uh, I guess tomorrow is gonna snow more. I have no <laughs> idea. I. It's still it's beach just, weather in Texas. So, so when are you bringing Steve to Texas and just like getting out of Utah? You know what? My sister lives in Texas, I heard. so I'm I'm I, working on it. I actually <laughs> met your sister. Uh, how long were we? How long ago were we down in the valley there, Jason? End of tournament? October. Yeah, yeah. It was the end of October, beginning of March. That uh, tournament that your brother-in-law put together down in uh, in McAllen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Bridger didn't you shoot off against her brother-in-law? Correct. Uh, no, her brother-in-law's brother. Yeah, she, he shot oh. against uh, Pepe. Oh, okay, like yep. uh, my brother-in-law's uh, cousin. Yeah, yeah, yes. yep. He yep. won a he yeah, won um, one arrow shoot off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and your uh, your dad was there too. I hadn't seen him since uh, well, since Ruben's shoot uh, the versus oh, tournament last year. My dad, he's the yeah. best. Oh, he's awesome. <laughs> so he, he's he's retired now, so he um, he's a doctor. He's retired, and now he just spends as much time as he can in Texas because you know grandkids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know, it was it was a good time being down. I think Bridger had his first tamal ever. I took yeah. him to a, to a yeah, I took him to a drive-through uh, tamal place called Delias. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was a pretty interesting morning. We were just hungry, trying to get some food before we went and shot, and uh, said, "You know what? Let's uh, let's introduce you to something new," and yeah, and he loves some Delias. Mexican food, so. I think Bridger could live on it. Yeah, I do live Did on you, it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like them yeah, they're good. They're awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but yeah. Now, as far as as far as the show goes, you know, we we try to not make it too scripted. But remember, I sent you a couple notes. We we really wanted to talk about a couple things, like you know your your accomplishments that you've that you've uh, been able to to knock out throughout your career in archery. So, um, get get the listeners out there and and, and maybe identify a little bit more with what you do in your journey through archery and uh so that they know that their goals can be reached if if they work as hard as you have um so i don't know if you want to talk a little bit of what you've done in the world cups i mean we've been i've been watching you and steve and bridger and everybody through my my whole archery career so um i don't know if you want to talk a little bit about your your world cup shoots when you started Um. Yeah, so I start. I think my first World Cup was uh, in 2006, I believe, and uh, then it just depended on it depended on the Mexican Federation if they took us or not, especially because compounds, you know, we don't go to the Olympics, so that's yeah. we don't get the same funding. Uh huh. But I guess I I didn't stop shooting World Cups until um, last year when I took you, a break. I was gonna say, well, you you took a break because you are gonna shoot or try to shoot for the the u.s team yeah yes so um i wanted to keep shooting for mexico 
even after I moved here to the U.S. Uh, but it was just so hard. Uh, it was just hard. Um, in Mexico, we don't have an indoor season. We can shoot outside all right. year long. <laughs> so they actually have outdoor nationals in January. Wow. Oh, wow. And for me, I did it three years, but it was just crazy. Sometimes I had to fly from Nîmes to Mexico City and, you know, like just with the same boat, just change the launcher on my rest and arrows and start shooting 50 meters after, you know, three months shooting inside. It was yeah. just crazy. And um, I started, you know, mentally I was exhausted and I didn't get much help from the Federation. And I was like, you know, I love shooting. And I want to keep shooting. And uh, I've been so welcomed in the U.S. So I think I'm just going to give it a shot, take a break for a year, which is what where archery asks you to do, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, according to the rules. And, um, and I, yeah, I shot the, US, the USATs, made the team, and I'm going to shoot for the U.S. So, now. So you did. Bum, bum, I, bum. I didn't keep up with the <laughs> USAT very much this year since I didn't shoot them. Uh, but you did make the U.S. team for or the women's compound team. I did, yes. So, so who is the top four for the World Cup team? Oh, so, it's stacked. Is it? It's like for reference for people that don't know, the for the World Cup for the U.S., we shoot the USAC qualifiers or the U.S. archery uh, shooting team. I can't remember what that actually stands for, but there's uh, four, qualifying four or five qualifying tournaments you have to go to, and then they take the top four shooters uh, throughout the year. They get to go to the following year's World Cup, so... Who, who uh, so it's you and then who else is on the team? It's um, Alexis Ruiz, Paige Pierce, and Savannah, and I can't pronounce her last name. Vanderveer. <laughs> oh yeah, Vanderveer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Vanderveer. Yeah, that yes. is a that is that's, a set team. The a, yeah, <laughs> pretty good. I'm team. not. Trust me, I'm not trying to date you at all, Linda, because you are fairly. <laughs> yeah, you're not that much older than I am, and I'm only 25. But like, <laughs> well, is it? I mean, I don't know if you were in kind of a veteran spot on the, the women's team in Mexico, but is it kind of the same way here? I mean, obviously it is because Paige is the next closest to you in age, and she's Paige is 24. So Yeah. I've, I just feel like in Mexico, I've, I was always the, older, the oldest one in the team, like yeah. men and women, you know? <laughs> really? So I, just I just turned 33 oh, a you're, week you're, ago. You're a youngster. <laughs> I'm still young. That's, you said you turned 33 a week ago. Yeah. Well, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you. That's how Bridger and I feel on this podcast. We're the young ones. You are the young one because I'm the old guy. I'm, a, I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm 51, <laughs> so I'm like to be all your guys' dads. You're seasoned. Whatever. Yeah. So anyway, you're you're on the you're on the top four, and you're you're traveling with the U.S. this year. Um, which which of the World Cups are you looking forward to the most? Which is which has been your favorite throughout your career? Uh, I really like Shanghai. Um, I don't know why. I I think we always go to the same city, so I'm I'm not excited about that. I wish it was like you know different places. Uh, but I like that. Uh, I like that tournament. And this year, after not shooting last year, and after shooting that many years in a row. Uh, I just want to go to all of them, and I I don't I don't think I have one I really want to go. I just want to go and shoot a World Cup. And now that I'm in the U.S. team, it's just like I get this new energy, and uh, I just want to go and shoot. I'm really excited. 
Well, you had that that whole year kind of refreshes you, and you you see it brand new again. Instead of the same thing year after year after year, you're looking forward to it. But yeah, normally I hear a lot of people that when you ask them what their favorite one is, I know Bridger always talks about turkey, uh, Antalya. I always like turkey, yeah. but I, I, yeah, I like. Well, I enjoyed Shanghai too, cause, and I'm sure you'll say the same thing, Linda. Going to the the underground market there, mm-hmm. uh, under the science center, and getting yelled at by by all the Chinese women for trying to get a bag of tea or whatever for a lot less expensive than what they initially want to sell it for. Yeah. Yeah, like a hundred times <laughs> less. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. This year, there's only gonna be three World Cups because it's you know Olympic year. Yep. Yeah. So it's only gonna be um, three this year. So okay. what what one are they cutting out this year? I know they'll still do Shanghai. Um, so it's Guatemala is the first one. Oh really? I think it's the first year it's gonna be in Guatemala. Well, that's a new one this year, yeah. Yeah, Guatemala, Shanghai, and Berlin. If I'm not wrong, that's the third one. Okay, so they cut Turkey out. They cut, yeah, they cut Turkey out, which is, you know, that's a fun one too. It's like it's a very interesting country, uh, but just getting there is so hard. Oh so yeah. So many flights, so many connections. It's just it's hard. <laughs> Having to fly in through, you guys fly in through Germany probably. Yeah, like two, two or three years ago, I, we couldn't find any flights, and we flew through Russia, and then oh, you know it was just crazy. Yeah, that's a big detour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, out of 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 all these World Cups we've been talking to, your favorite has been Shanghai. Has that been one of the ones where you've had the most success in? Um, I yeah, I think so. And it's the one uh, in 2006. They have they had it there in Shanghai. So it's one of my first memories of a World Cup. Okay. Yeah, I can see. I can see the connection in that. I just I watch you guys shoot Shanghai and the finals venue, shooting over that that lake or pond or whatever it is with the skyscrapers. I mean, I get. I get target panic just looking at you guys shoot. <laughs> it, it reminds me of you know playing golf and when you're teeing off and there's houses next to the right, right. the fairway, and all you can think of is I'm gonna hit one of the roofs on these houses, <laughs> and I usually do. Well, we used we used uh, we used to have it downtown right along the right along the river there. Yeah, there were people walking by, like almost yeah. where you guys were shooting. People I thought that was kind of weird. The boats, the boats running along yeah. the river and stuff. Yeah, yeah. that was fun. <clears throat> and, cool. and windy. Yeah. I remember that. I think it was Rio. Did Rio win the last one in Shanghai? He won one year. He won one year, and I know it was so windy. I, could, I don't know how they shot. It was insane. For me, it, the smell next to that river, that river was disgusting. Was it bad? No, it was gross. <laughs> it was just like, I don't know. You, I feel like you get that smell like everywhere it's in that not, city. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's part, it's part of the day. Hey, Linda, <laughs> if we could take a step back, because I know some of the things that I know talking with the, you know, the young ladies that I've spoken with, um, can we talk a little bit about your setup, like your bow and, and what you have on it, what, what manufacturers you choose to shoot for or, or that you are using like from rest to sights, and talk a little bit about your setup, how much pound did you shoot, um, your draw length, things like that? Yes, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm shooting an Invicta, Right mm-hmm. now, a Hoyt Invicta, I use um, Doinker stabilizers. I'm trying the Heroes this uh-huh. year. I really like them. I use uh, I use the Freak Show Rest AAE. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Axel side, I just switched to a Truebolt release last year. Gotcha. You shoot the? Um, are you shooting the HT? The what? Sorry. The, the hot tension, the HT brass, or I'm I'm shooting the blade, the blade pro. The blade pro. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I shoot a toned release. Gotcha. I've always have. Okay. I like having a hinge in my quiver just for practice. I like practicing right. with it, but in tournaments, I I always get nervous. Like that's, that's <laughs> even fun. now. Oh yeah. Really? Oh yeah. That's good. That's good to know. I just yeah, I just deal with it. Right. <laughs> I always get nervous, and I just find whatever works best for me in a tournament. And I realize a hinge, I put so much pressure on it uh, that I started missing high. And I, there was no way I could like get rid of that. So right. I, yeah. That's cool. So I just, yeah, so <laughs> I practice with it. I really like it, but I have my tone release for gotcha. everything. <laughs> Do you run V bars or single bar? I have a single bar. Okay. So I'm using a three, uh, 30 inch front. Mm-hmm. And I usually do a 15-inch sidebar, but I just switched to a 12-inch, gotcha. and it's, work, it's working good for me, so we'll see. How much weight do you run front to back? Uh, I have 8 ounces in the front and like 7 on this side, I think. Gotcha. So you're running yeah, pretty neutral. Yeah, it's neutral. It's usually 1 or 2 ounces more in the front. Gotcha. Because usually my misses are high, so... So you try to keep them down. <laughs> yeah. Keep the, bow, keep the bow down. So I want to talk about the Invicta a little bit. Um, what's your take on it compared to last year? I'm, I'm assuming you shot the Prevail last year, correct? Yes. I yeah, mean, I did. That's a pretty big change this year with that bow. You shot the Prevail really well. I remember <clears throat> I remember being in Florida when you shot the 15-arrow uh, world record Guinness oh, yeah. with that guy too. Guinness yeah. world record. <laughs> it wasn't oh, the yeah, Guinness they, they put it in the Guinness. I was so excited. Did they really? That was oh, yeah. Three, my, so you got yeah, a Guinness was, World Record? I broke the world record in 2018. That is bad. I think so, yes. In Gator Club. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember Steve was watching you, and I, I'll never forget, he turned around, or you turned around when you were done shooting, and you are like, yeah, I shot a 150. And he said, well, how many X's did you shoot? I don't know, three or four. <laughs> <laughs> and she had, I think you had 11 or 12. 11. 11. So the last, <laughs> the past record was 10, and I shot 11, and I had no idea. I thought it was only three. That's in, awesome. Wow. In my mind, I only wanted to shoot 150, you know? So I just, it was like, I, I want my I, I want my 150. That was like yeah. the third time I shot it in a tournament, so I didn't care about excess. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So what did you? what's your take on the new bow compared? I mean, because I think oh. it's a pretty big difference. It is a big difference, and I'm not going to lie. I mean, I always trust the Hoyt bows, uh-huh. uh, but after having such a good season with the Prevail, I was like, oh, oh. my gosh, a new ball. Like, what? You know, like, I was shooting really good with the Prevail, so it's always that little... I worry. I worry too much. I don't know. I'm just, I like, worrying, I guess. <laughs> but, um, so I, I tried the Invicta, and it was just so easy. That's the only word I can use to, like, describe that bow. It's just, like, a really easy bow. Gotcha. It aims really easy. I love aiming. Like, I think I'm I'm an aimer. I just, I can aim forever. I love aiming. And this bow helps you aim, like, a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What arrows? How about arrows? We, I know we haven't talked about that yet. Arrows. So, for indoor season, I'm actually trying the RX-7s. 
this year. Is that what you're shooting, Bridge? The X7 aluminums. Uh, yes. The new ones. Yep. So, oh, the the. Our, our yeah. X7s. So what's what? I guess I don't know enough about them because I just switched back to Easton this year. What? What's the main difference between those new RX-7s and the like the traditional uh, like X-23 or X-27? So I used to shoot the 2315s, mm-hmm. um, and I, I really like those. But I was running I, in the front. I had like 200. Yeah, 200 in the front. And I, I love them. I think they work awesome. And this year, Steve was like, hey, you should try these ones. I guess they're t- they are... Um, I. Jason, correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but they are tampered. Uh, uh, tapered. Right. Tapered? Tapered, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and he was like, you know, I think these ones are going to be good for you because we can put less weight in the front. And, you know, for forgiveness, uh, that, like, that works. And I couldn't do less weight with the other ones. So we did 160 with these ones and in the point, and they are working really good. Okay, so they're tapered kind of like the Pro Tours would be? Yeah, yeah, I might be wrong. And Steve is going to, like, divorce me if he says <laughs> this, and I don't know how to explain it. Well, he, is, he is Easton's arrow guy. For, we'll just, we'll just get Steve on the show, and he can talk about arrows yeah, all day long. Yeah, he can talk about that, and you long. can just say, like, I trust whatever he says. <laughs> yeah. You know? for, for reference, <laughs> uh, Steve Linda's husband works for Easton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He is the pro staff coordinator for them. And yeah, for arrows. Yep. Yeah, that's funny. So you yeah. just shoot what he tells you. What he tells you to shoot, right? Yeah, I'm. A, I don't <laughs> like. I don't like changes. Right. So I pretty much use whatever I've been using like for years. Yeah. And I, but when it comes to arrows, I mean, he knows. Well, <laughs> you know, know like, and you know, it's funny is you say that because I know in this industry, the archery industry has gotten this habit over the last what 10, 15 years that we come out with new stuff every year. And it makes it hard on pros, I think, because you guys do probably find sweet spots with different equipment that you don't want to change. But as a sponsored shooter, you kind of have to. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's always exciting when you get to try something new. But I just am not a big fan. I like like shooting my bow. I like, you know, just go to the range and shoot. Um, But but yeah, Steve told me about these new arrows and they, they are working really good. I'd really like them. Right. That's awesome. Well, and thank, yeah. thank goodness for like Hoyt and I think Matthews is another one. They've, they've target wise, they haven't changed a lot in the last four yeah. or five years. So you get kind of used to one platform and you can, you can kind of have some longevity with it. Oh, I think Scott, you and I were talking about it before, actually earlier today. Like you find one, you yeah. find one setup that works for you. And then yeah. like for me, I shot the C4 so well, like the last five or six years, I've just been, kind of chasing that same kind of setup, trying to find the yeah. same feel and everything. Do you, like, Linda, do you find yourself doing kind of the same thing? Like, I know you said you shot the Prevails really well um, and like the way that they shot. Do you kind of find yourself doing the same thing with the the Invicta, trying to replicate how that boat, how your Prevail shot as far as, like, trying to mirror setups and all that? Or Yeah, so I basically, uh, once I changed, like, when I got the Invicta, I just did it exactly the same i had in my prevail because i didn't want to start different you know with a different bow so i just did exactly the same i had in my prevail and i think the only thing i moved it was just a little bit uh, i play with the weight right on my stabilizers um but yeah it's just this bow is 
I just I love it. And also it has a much less vibration. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it is, does. It's like it is that awesome. Yeah. What about the uh, you shooting the SVX cam? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I am. Gotcha. That's their. Is that the spiral one? That's the spiral. Okay. That's the spiral one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am, and I know the uh, the new ones. They say they are really good. I just, I mean, I don't want to try. Yeah. I, you know, you you get a, a new bow. I'll tell you, Linda. There's not a lot of difference, in my opinion, between the two. I mean, that, that, that oh, their, really? their new cam is pretty aggressive, like the SVX. I thought it was pr- fairly similar to it. And, yeah, they um, say it was, I, I guess it was like a big jump from the X3s to the SVX. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they wanted to go like middle ground yep. in between those two, so they did those. Yeah, they accomplished that for nice. sure. Because yeah, I, I think there was a, a big uh, a big difference last year on the Prevail, at least with the spirals and the X3s. You they know, were, you were, were jumping. Huge. Yeah, they were completely. I remember the same zip code. I remember when you got that silver Prevail with the spiral cams, yeah, and it felt thing. like it was going to rip your arms yeah, out. It kicked my butt. Yeah, I'm 50 though. I'm old, so I can't do it. No well, I know I couldn't even shoot the spir. I shot the spirals for a little while when I shot Hoyt before. Yeah. Um, when I shot them in 2018, I. I couldn't shoot that. Dude, they're like a dragster on the on the line at eight thousand <laughs> RPMs, and you're going to dump the clutch. <laughs> I'm serious. It was crazy. This just goes to show that Linda's a much more aggressive and better shooter than I am. Yeah, I could not I'm, shoot I, the spiral. Me either. <laughs> she's a girl, and she's killing us. <laughs> I guess it just it just depends on like your form. And I had so many questions about people. Uh, they didn't know if they should get like the X trees or the SVX, and right. you know, like how. My question was like, how's how do you think your form is? Like, do you have a explosive form, or you're more like a passive shooter? Like, I think it depends on that. But also, uh, I'm shooting fifty pounds. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Fifty pounds, you know. What draw length? What draw length? Uh, twenty six and three quarters. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, I've been trying to increase that. but no, I just stay like in fifty two. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, so I just I like shooting many like a lot of arrows. So yeah, that, that works. Well that works me. out a whole you lot s- better. <laughs> you save the energy and you're able to up your arrow count. And that's yeah, yeah. I mean, I did so last year because I did, I was it was like year off kind of because I ended up shooting more tournaments. I try. Um, I went to some of the, of the treaties. I so was just was like, about ready to go there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She was like, you need to increase your poundage, blah, blah, blah. So we did like 57, I guess, 56. Uh-huh. I was like, I guess I can do it. It's just one arrow per target. Like, exactly. seriously, you can't do it. An so arrow we get there. We get there, and the first day, it was like 8 a.m. in the morning. It was freezing, and mm. from, just keep this in mind. I'm from Mexico. I get cold all the time. And Steve was like, hey, let's go, let's go shoot and see how uh, your speed is. So I'm like, yeah, let's go shoot. Well, I couldn't draw my ball back. <laughs> and it was embarrassing, so it just got worse and worse. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, what's happening right now? So we had to, like, give it a turn back. And I, I don't know, it was a mess. So I, I got a question because, you know, believe it or not, our shop and a lot of our shooters here, and I, even myself included, I'm a big 3D guy. I haven't spent a lot of time in USAT archery. Um, and I know you're the opposite. You spent, you know, Bridger and you have spent almost your entire careers in USAT. And what do you think of 3D in comparison? I mean, it's it's a completely different ballgame. I mean, 
I love 3D. I actually, when I was a kid, I started shooting shooting 3Ds because that's why my dad used to shoot, you know. So I started in 3Ds, uh, but it was uh, like 20 years ago. So obviously I had no idea. And in my mind, I was like, oh, if I start in 3D, I'm going to still be good in 3D, right? Uh, no. Yeah. That's not how it well, works. I went uh, back last year and I wanted to do Unknown because... I wanted to learn and I wanted to be shooting with the best and just see what they do. And oh my gosh, I, I think I shot better every turn. I, I only went to three and I like my scores improved like by 50 points every single tournament. Just, right. <laughs> uh, it got better and better, but it's another game completely. Well, so, you know, there's been a lot of speculation and talk, and we talk about this a lot within the community here, um, that there is a dire need for a women's known pro division. Um, so you could, you know, you, you know the yardage, because you take that equation out. I mean, arguably, I know you, uh, looking at some of your 3D, I was we. You shot Paris, and we all were up there, and I know you didn't do as well up there, but at the end of the day, arrow for arrow, you're as good an archer as Sharon, um, you know, Emily McCarthy, some of these women, given everything being equal, meaning you know the yardage, you can hit, you know, you got a dot to aim at. Um, I mean, would you love to see a women's known pro division within the 3D world? Of course. Yeah. If there was one, I for sure would go. Yeah, and I, and so and I think it's something you know that I've been talked about a lot. I know I brought it up to Mike Trill a lot about, you know, we need to move in this direction. I think the women's known pro class would explode just like the men's did. I mean, it's now what Bridger three times bigger than the unknown. Yeah, I mean, you it's it's tapered off a little bit since the the first year they've had it, but right. usually we're there's usually around thirty guys at least in the higher attended ones. Paris is one of the lower ones, but. There's like 30 to 35 guys in the open pro and close to 90. Right. Between 90 and 100, I think. Well, I know that in the, the known, known pro. pro made more money than the pro division. Yeah, in our in our well because in just the tournament because in the, the tournament payout, the tournament payout yes. for the yeah. tournament payback there's right. more, but contingency wise open pro is still higher. Still higher. And I don't it doesn't make any sense. It's up to the manufacturers. Yeah, man. it, but but I see I just think that's completely backwards. I mean, you got 90 some shooters shooting the known pro that class in itself is getting more attention from a manufacturer's standpoint than the unknown well, guys. I'll uh, pull a reference from Pat McAfee, who's one of my one of the guys I listen to for sports talks. It's right. all up to the old whites that make <laughs> right. all the decisions on that right. stuff, be it the manufacturers, be it the organizations right. that put on the tournaments. Uh, yeah. That's all because that's you all know to them. I've been shooting 3D since I was a kid. I mean, I've been shooting for archery, God, forty some years. And you know, back in the day, unknown was a sport because we could not afford rangefinders. You know, back in the we had rangefinders that were as big as a Bible, and they were like mm -hmm. six grand. You know, and, and so we had to learn how to judge yardage to shoot deer, and uh, out of a tree stand. You know, most of our shots in between twenty and thirty yards. So it was a, it was actually a skill set. I think it was needed as a hunter back in the 70s and 80s. But now hunters don't go into the woods without a rangefinder. And I think it's, you know, you hear a lot of the, 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 the chatter between contestants that we're not having a rangefinding contest, it's an archery contest. And Linda, like I was talking about with you, if you knew how mm -hmm. to judge yardage to within a half, one and a half yards, two yards, you'd probably be pretty deadly at 3D, correct? Uh, I, yeah, I would like to think that. <laughs> and you know what? It's just... Um mentally it was hard because 
you don't, I don't like to see my name on the bottom of the list. Oh, try. You know, when, when you get the result. <laughs> I know. So mentally, you, I have to be like, hey, I'm Linda. I'm learning. I want to be good, but I have, I have to start somewhere. And, but like I told Steve, it's just how much money am I paying for entry fees and flights and all this? And I see it as an investment. Right. But I, I know how to shoot. Like if they, if there was a known, a known category, I, for sure I will go there. I know right. pro, and I know I'm not the only one here. Oh. And it's just, I feel like it's sad to see the women, um, not in 3D. I'm just like speaking, you, you know, like generally speaking, in tournaments. The attendance of women is just really low. So if you maybe if they have like more, uh, um. Like more options, I well, yeah. Think like more women will go. Absolutely, and you know, I, so I have a couple female shooters that one of them's a youngster. She's sixteen, and she can flat out hammer in three D. She's won everything she's shot and top tens and nationally. And she's concerned because she's going to go to women's known forty five this year um, to get out of the high school division because she's just surpassed it, and she's freaking out because she doesn't know what she's going to do after known 45 because she does not want to learn how to judge yardage and i don't blame her i mean it's just it's a skill set that i can tell you takes years and years of commitment and not only that you've got to go buy ranges put them out in your yard yeah. and go study those targets you know i can tell you i know levi i've talked to him about it sometimes they go how they practice they just guess yardage range it see how close they are and then move to the next target never even shoot their bow mm -hmm. i mean it's an effective way to practice but is it good for archery that's the million dollar question, I think. Yeah, I don't think so, and I don't even shoot 3D. Mm. Yeah, because <clears throat> I, I it's so. funny you said that because I think you what was it? I, I'm not saying this to be mean, but what, next to last, I think at Paris. You, yeah. Oh yeah. And, 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 and I shot like three misses the first day, uh, okay. and I was like, <laughs> I thought I was ready because I will go to uh, you know uh, Lindsay Christensen. She shoots 3Ds. Yeah. So she will come down here to Utah, and we will drive to Tim's house, uh -huh. Tim Gilligan's house and he has a range there so we will just shoot there and i was doing pretty good so i was like oh I, I i feel like i can do this and then i got there i misjudged one and after that it was just downhill because <laughs> oh, yeah. i started second guessing myself even my shooting how it was just like it could even you know like it could be a 12 or a miss like i had no idea so didn't uh ira francini from spain and she finished behind you or from Italy. Well, she that was the third tournament. Yeah. And by the third one, I was actually doing really good yeah. until I missed my side, which it was like a dumb thing because I missed one, but it was because of my side. Like I have to, I have to say it. That makes me feel better, yeah. I guess. Um, and I think she she was behind me. Yeah. Well, well, the reason that we were talking about this the other day, we were like, you know, here is Linda Choa, probably, definitely, Bridget, you probably know better than me, but. Top ten ranked female archer in the world. Oh, you can probably what maybe top you, five. Before you took your well, year off, where were you at rank? I was fourth. Yeah, fourth? so so here you are. Yeah, okay. So fourth ranked arch woman archer in the world missed three targets and got next to last <laughs> at a national event. That's I mean that's crazy, and it, 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 that just speaks volumes to these organizations have got to wake up and if they want to get this attendance up. And I, for us as a shop, I can tell you, women and kids are our target audience. Um, that's what we invest a lot of our time, money, and effort into marketing. Um, crazy story. We, I think we sold almost 
35 women's bows over the Black Friday and Christmas holidays. Almost almost all those. Almost all those. Nice. women's. Yeah. And we did a big marketing campaign. We bought a bunch of 30, 40, and 50 pounders and sold almost every one of them. And now we're going to have a big ladies' night on Thursday nights for the, for the women only. So we're doing what we can, but I think... That's awesome. Yeah. We just... Man, the, the organizations need to put in their they part. They do. Yeah. They do. Don't get me started on that soapbox between the NFA, USA, yeah, this and is, freaking ASA. We're, we're, not, we're not talking oh about God. that today. Well, you know, we're, hey, we're, we're talking about equipment here. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't often praise USA Archery, but I think they do a fairly they decent job. They do a great job. job. At, uh, at promoting the women and keeping the women's side of the sport the same, yeah. or at least on the same level as the men's. Correct. And you look at attendance, it's fairly... Yeah, it's pretty I mean, even. Com- in comparison to other organizations between like ASA, NFA, and IBO, yeah. um, USA probably has the highest attendance when in comparison to the men's, right. especially on the recurve side, but uh, even on the compound side, it's fairly, mm-hmm. fairly well attended. Gotcha. So, Linda, we're talking about equipment and stuff like that, and here's a little... A little thing that I want to poke into. What what do you focus on when you're tuning, uh, as far as tuning? Because you know, some people go out there and spend hours and hours and hours trying to tune their bow. And we've mm-hmm. we've talked to Bridger and you know gotten his his pro two cents into it. And most of the time, it's just go shoot your bow. Um, but you know, for for those people that spend hours tuning their bow, trying to trying to tune points into their scores, what? What is your advice? What's your take on tuning? Uh, I actually, I feel like the only time I tune my bow is every time I set up a new bow, I shoot it for a few weeks, not a few weeks, like two weeks maybe, and then I tune my bow. um, And then I don't think I do it until maybe before a big tournament just to make sure everything is fine. And I don't even, uh, I mean, I, I shoot it through paper, you know, and just make sure it's nothing crazy. But I also don't care if it's not perfect. And where I focus the most is in my groups at 50 meters. So that's what I basically do. And then I, depending on what they're doing, I just move my rest a little bit. It's nothing crazy because, you know, like I've seen some balls with the rest all the way to the left because it didn't pass through paper or whatever. Um, so I just do my bow I, according how I see my arrows fly and how I'm grouping and if I'm shooting good I don't even touch it unless just let something it be. is yeah I I guess it depends you know like people we are all different and I focus more on shooting my bow than yeah. actually ton- tuning you hear that kids and half the customers that come in this place and you know and then, I had to say it you, and it's funny because they they think because I'm married to Steve, they think that we do something different, and I don't think I don't think there's anything, you know, like it's just the same thing. Like we do exactly everything the same, and especially Steve. Like I have to go and hey, can you help me? Can you like look at me and see my boy? This is happening, or you know, but we don't spend that much time with um, working on our bows. As much as you do your shooting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as much as, yeah. According to social media, all you do is just kick his butt on the practice range all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Which, by the way, you absolutely throw down. And maybe Steve's being nice and he's only posting your good targets, but holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) You know what happened? We have, like, this thing. And he, like, he's practicing more now that we, we actually can shoot in our house in our basement so he's shooting more but before that i used to go to the easton center every single day 
And I was like, hey, guess what? I just shot a 708 in practice. And he was like 50 meters, right? And he mm -hmm. was like, oh, I'm going to go shoot just to beat you. <laughs> and he will go down there and shoot a freaking 712 or whatever. And I'm like, how? Like, you never practice. You never come down here. And you just come to beat me. And you shoot, like, an amazing score. So there is this. Yeah, so there's a thing going on. And then in practice the other day, I shot 28Xs in a Vegas round, 328. And I don't do that often. So I was like, I am going to kick your butt. And then he shoots, and he shoots a 30X. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's just a thing. I can be proud that um, eliminations round in 50 meters, I have the world record, and he has not been there able you to beat that. So. I would definitely hold that over his head. Absolutely. You know, that, that makes me feel good because I go through the same thing with my wife. Yeah. She has not picked up her bow in almost a month and a half and came in last night and just... Yeah. Shot her butt off. So we we sat down yeah. on the sidelines. We, we going, do a Lancaster shoot down league here on Tuesday nights, and his wife Courtney came in yesterday, and we had two girls actually make it to the finals of the championship round and the and the consolation bracket round. And Courtney beat up on a lot of guys last night, Jason's wife. <laughs> yeah, I spent the whole time in the front of the shop tying people's peeps in and doing stuff. I didn't <laughs> right. even want to see it. Yeah. But. <laughs> and and yeah. literally, she hasn't picked up a bow. I think one we talked about it one time since December. October. Yeah. Yeah, but, no, it's funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. On on that same note, I mean, both you and Steve shoot competitively and professionally, and very successfully. Obviously, like, what's that like having somebody that you spend day in and day out with that's also a competitor at that same level? Um, I think, I, well, I don't know for him, but for me, it has been huge um, because. Like, like I said, everything is different in Mexico and here. Like, things work different. So I think I saw archery from a different perspective. And also, Steve, he's, uh, he's very, you know, like, he's all about competition and being the best. Steve and, might mean, be the most competitive human being you, I've ever met in my life. Like, is he really? <laughs> oh, my God. It's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Linda could probably tell you. but yeah. He's crazy. <laughs> he is crazy. He I will... mean, I thought I was competitive, but he is just crazy. So does his release see as many frequent fire miles as yours does, Bridger? Probably not. Probably not? Okay. I imagine he tries to, out, like, outsweep the kitchen with you, Linda, or try to outclean the house or do something <laughs> really extremely I mundane. Can, I can do laundry better than her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just... But you know what? I like it. And the way he sees stuff is just like, okay, I need... Because for me, archery is a mental game. Uh, so on that side, Steve does it very good. So whenever I'm like strolling, you know, like mentally, he he knows what to say and and he knows what to do. And I just try to... Um, get all the help I can from him and that helps and also we don't get to shoot together that often but when we do it's, it's nice to have someone like him and I want to beat him and he wants you know he doesn't want me to beat him so uh, that makes us better I think I, because yeah I, lo I love shooting my bow and I like practicing but to me, has to have a meaning. Right. So if uh, if he's there and I want to do better, that helps. So I'm glad you mentioned the mental um, side of it. You know, I, I, we coach a ton of kids here and even adults, and that's probably the toughest thing as a coach to talk about is the mental side. And I and I was it's refreshing to hear you say that you still get nervous. You know, in competition, um, how do you handle that? I mean, what goes through your head during those times when you're 
you know, you're freaking out. Maybe you're you're straight going into the last three or ar- five arrows or whatever. Yeah, I so I work a lot mentally because I know that that's my weak spot, and I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> I, that's I try to be. You know, it's true, and I don't I, I don't like just to lie about it. It's that's the true, and what I do is I work with it. I realize what works for me when I'm nervous and I adapt my shooting with that. Like I know if I get nervous, I have to be stronger because otherwise I feel like I'm just flying through the target. So I know I have to be stronger. I know I have to hold my release stronger. And I know for some people, they actually need to be more relaxed. Right. For me, it's just stronger. So when you say stronger, let me, me, I'm going to dig in the weeds a little bit with this. So like, in between shots, you know, you have downtime, you shoot, you, you, you break a shot off, so you get a center 10. Um, do you actually start to refocus for the next arrow, or do you kind of let your mind wander, maybe think about what am I going to eat for dinner tonight, um, to try to stay loose, or are you staying within every shot, visualizing that arrow? I'm staying within the shot. I actually, what I found, it helped me a lot, is... Um, when I'm aiming, I'm visualizing, like, at the same moment I'm aiming, the moment I'm aiming, I'm visualizing my shot just going to the 10. Gotcha. You know, just feeling my, because my form is more of push and pull, right? you know, kind of thing. So I'm imagining myself just doing it, going straight to the target and shooting a 10. And then the shot breaks. And then I just try to do the same thing with the other arrows. So I always try to stay focused in every single shot. Right. Uh, which is why I always say tournaments, I usually shoot not even half of the arrows, of the number of arrows I shoot in practice. But I, after the tournament, I'm exhausted because it's mentally exhausting just being there, being there and just don't let myself go away. You know, like my mind, I, it's always like... Think positive, stay, right. because it's super easy. You know, negative negative thoughts come to me like ten times ten times faster right. than positive thoughts. So right. it just I have to be like on it. Do you ever keep your own score in your head? Uh, I try not to. Right. But it's there. Right. You know, especially if you're because I want to be aware of the score, like whoever is scoring and or if I'm scoring, it's always there. So I just try to just. I focus mostly on every single arrow. Right. Yeah, because one of the toughest things I know for some of our ki- our, our young shooters is that they always talk about waiting for the four to happen or waiting for the nine. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's immediately reinforcing a miss and trying to get them out of that habit. Or they, they already got 300 in their head, you know, 10 arrows in. And that's why I wanted to talk and ask you about that as, it, you know, you think about each and every single arrow because I think it's the most effective way to overcome that. So it is and it sounds very you know how every everyone says like oh it doesn't matter what you shot just focus on the next arrow it, it sounds like oh yeah like yeah. whatever but it, it's honestly that's what works for me because um or mine is just I mean the the way it works and when I was in the Mexican team I got lucky because I got to work with different psychologists and they help a lot so if you see, like, I like watching the, the Koreans shoot, you know, and you see how when they're shooting, they shoot, a, they can shoot a 7 or they can shoot a 10 and they face. It's exactly yep. the same. Yep. So because you're the only thing is going to happen, you're going to only mess up your next arrow. So you have to, like, 
even though you want to scream or whatever, you know, in the Vegas round, you miss one and you like, what the hell? I just want to scream and get out of here. But you still have like 20 arrows to go or whatever. I still want to do good. Yeah. Yeah. This is why we do it. I think <laughs> yeah. that might be some advice that Scott could take to heart. <laughs> <laughs> I have so a temper. Myself included. Yes. We're yeah, both me, me and Bridger for, have uh, really bad tempers. <laughs> both notorious for getting visually and vocally frustrated during. <laughs> yeah. during sometimes, sometimes parts flying, right? <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah, and it's. I mean, I sometimes I feel the same way, but um, I just rem, you know, like I work so hard for this. I practice so many days and so many hours. I just, I can't give up. And honestly, in archery, you never know what's going to happen, especially 50 meters eliminations, you know, one-to-one. You never know what's going to happen. So it's um, cheesy to say, but you you need to keep fighting until the end. And if you let your emotions get to you, um, sometimes it won't help you. Yeah, yeah I think, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, with when you're talking about eliminations, a lot of people don't really understand that like you said, you never know what's going to happen. That other archer might drop a point or two because at the end of the day, you can't really influence what they shoot. They're going to shoot whatever they're they're set up to do. Um, they can either clean it up or they can get nervous and, and drop some points or they can get confident and next thing you know, you caught up. So mm-hmm. people that, that yeah. give up kind of I, cheat themselves. I'm sure Linda can say this too. I've been on both sides of that numerous times. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Either having something good happen for you and you catching up or you doing really well and just getting complacent or somebody catch up something and all of a sudden you, you know, and that's, you know, not to get off on a tangent, but that's the one thing I love about the 3D game that the the USAT NFAA doesn't have is a, is a, the ability to work yourself back into the contention. You know, in 3D, you got the bonus rings at 12 rings. And the 12 ring is allows you, you could blow a shot. I know a lot of guys that have shot nickels, fives, come back and win a tournament because you get, you go after that bonus ring, of course, enough, and you're going to, you can work yourself back into shooting a, a really good score. But USAT, NFAA, you guys make one mistake, you're practicing the rest of the day. In theory. If, yeah, in theory, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I like watching the shoot downs, uh, the 3D tournaments, because. I always wondered, like, oh, is he going to go for the 14? What is he going to do? Does he know about the other one score? I don't know. Like, that's that's fun. Yeah, that puts drama in it for sure. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Well, that's cool. I, I'm really excited to hear about your mental game because I think it's the, one of the things that I'm probably the most curious about and how you handle it because it's the one thing that I deal with with our young archers more than anything else is their mental – approach to the sport of archery you know and it's 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 a i think it's i agree with you i think it's more than 75 percent of the shoot of the once you get to a level that you you know everyone shoots good it's now who can hold it together mentally yeah and um i work a lot with my mental side of the game i work a lot even uh every single day at practice i just i don't shoot arrows just for shooting i'm right thinking about every single arrow and i i'm feeling every single arrow like what okay it went right why did it go right did i shoot it there did i push it to the right did i pull harder like what did i do i don't like just shooting for shooting does that make sense oh yeah like yeah so i work a lot of uh, on it and on tournaments i feel like that's where i learn the most and i write everything down do you um i do it's 
I know I'm 33 years old and I write <laughs> everything now, but I I like doing it because it just I feel like at the same time that helps me it clears my mind. Right. And that helps me for the next tournament. Sometimes we win a tournament and we forget about everything and we just want to win the next one. But I'm like, okay, what did I do to win? You know, the same way I think when I lose, what did I do to not shoot good? Like, okay, I have to learn from it. When I won, I want to just, I want to do it again. So what did I do? And I just uh, take the good things and the good points from a tournament, write them down and work for the next tournament. Right. So how do you... um and I'm sure you've probably overcome this at some point in your career. Um, and I'm, I'm asking this specifically for a young lady that I'm working with now. And, you know, she wants to be a professional archer. It's what she wants to do in her life. Um, she's good enough to do it. But, you know, putting that expectation out there and the amount of work she puts in can be detrimental to her. Where, for example, she has a bad practice day. It really wears on her. I mean, mentally mm-hmm. and physically. I mean, she actually is sometimes so mentally and physically burned out because she'll shoot seven or eight hundred arrows in a day and try Whoa. try yeah exactly and me and Richard kind <laughs> had, of chewed her butt about it i had the same response yeah. as that <laughs> but she will literally do that and just shoot trying to fix an issue when i think that you know maybe some downtime would be more prevalent so i guess i'm going to back up to a question what what do you do in practice i mean you're you're shooting what maybe a hundred arrows a day but effective practice tournament style arrows a day so i think i have a plan so i plan my year uh with tournaments and everything and my brother which i i i say he's my coach he helps me so he plans like the number of arrows i'm gonna shoot depending on on which tournament i'm going because um i think it depends on what time of the season you are on or if I change something in my form or in my equipment, I maybe I shoot more arrows just to get used to it. But there is a point where I don't want to shoot that many arrows. Like especially before a tournament, I don't shoot that many arrows. Just um, I just want to get to the tournament strong and uh, calm, you know. So I feel like this part of understanding this area, like this planification. And how it works, and how this is, and how shooting less arrows is gonna help me. It's very important right. for an archer, because that way I just don't shoot and shoot and shoot. Uh, that way has a meaning. Like sometimes, like my plan says, let's I don't know, I'm gonna go and shoot 50 arrows. So I'm like, why am I gonna drive to the field just to shoot 50 arrows? Well, I don't know. Maybe I need to rest. Like my body needs it. Maybe you know, like and right. it's just the way sport is and. Um, once you get it, I feel like you understand why and how that's happening, and it helps me a lot. So, um, whenever you know, like when I have, I feel like I shoot around like 120 arrows, 150, 100, depending on the season. Uh, but I shoot, I try to shoot every single arrow, super conscious about it. Right, just Not like just, just like a, numbers, yeah, just a scoring arrow, like a scoring arrow. Yeah, like sometimes I don't even score, but I'm shooting that arrow, uh, like the best way I can. And this is um, this is also like I feel like it's an important point. Even in practice, if I'm not like if I'm not feeling that arrow good, I let down because I feel like if I shoot it, I train my mind to shoot bad arrows as well. So I have to do it in practice. So I then I do it in tournaments, if that makes sense. Yeah, gotcha. No, absolutely. 
It was one of our biggest things. Heck, oh, I was doing it today. I, I, I think I about threw my bow across the <laughs> floor because I told myself to get out of the shot. I flinched on it. I thought, no, nah, I can pull through this shot. And shot a freaking nine. I was so mad. The first thing you said after you shot it was like, man, I'd have beat whatever kid I, I watched do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's that's the worst feeling in the world when you're sitting there and you say, man, I need to let down. Nah, it's cool. I got this. Yep. That's good. Oh just, yeah, I'm just we, gonna pull through it. There. <laughs> I am so bad about that. You know, we, we developed that saying uh, with Ben Thompson when we were at Worlds this year. Real men don't let down. We just shoot eights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, we need to make that a shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I feel like that's something. It might sound silly, but that's something that you practice too. So if you – I'm not practicing like I'm uh, shooting a tournament maybe, but I'm practicing my mind to – and I have like a rule. This is like my rule. Whenever I feel – like whenever there's a no in my mind, you know, like you doubt, you know, yep. you have to let down. Yeah, exactly. Whenever like the first no, I let down. Yep. It doesn't matter if I was still in the X ring, like I let down. That's like a rule I've made for myself. <laughs> I think that is a great rule for sure. Because if not, you you never get it. I always tell the kids, you never get a chance to get that arrow back once it's gone. Yeah. And then you shoot it and it might land in the X. Like you can get lucky and still get it. But. I promise you, more most of the time you're not gonna get a ten in with that arrow. Yep. And then you shoot it, and you're like, I knew I had to let down. Yeah, you knew, but you didn't. So. Right. And then starts the roller coaster of going down. Um, so you know, we're talking about the mental game and everything. Without you having to spill all your secrets and everything, what do you do in preparation for a for a tournament? Like, I know you're really excited about Vegas coming up. What? What are you doing to prepare yourself mentally, physically, um, you know, shooting wise for well, Vegas? Even even beyond that, like we before Vegas, we have Lancaster. Like, yeah, what you do for both, but like, what would be different for a tournament like Lancaster? That's a uh, elimination elimination style tournament versus uh, Vegas, which is essentially a qualification tournament, trying to shoot a nine hundred with the potential for shooting a shoot off after that. Yeah, so I think the mental preparation is the same. I know Vegas, I've made it so big in my mind that I think, and I know that's my problem at least. Uh, because <laughs> it's I mean, a, com it is a common big, problem. It, yeah, it is I'm a the big same way. That, yeah, I think we all make it bigger. <laughs> you know, or I don't, I don't want to sound, you know, you know what I mean, right? Mm -hmm. Like we just make it. Um, so I just try. Uh, practicing helps a lot because that gives me the confidence uh, to get to a tournament and just think, okay, I practiced, I did everything I was supposed to do, so now I just let my body shoot. But I also do a lot of um, visualization. I talk to myself a lot. I don't want to sound crazy, but I do. <laughs> like in my mind, <laughs> in my mind, I just talk to myself and I just try to. Um, relax my mind a little bit like calm my mind sometimes my mind is always like moving always all the time like movement movement like tournaments excitement vegas i see i get to see friends and family and i just it go, you know like my emotions just go they go to the roof yeah. So I just try to, it's okay, relax, it's just one more tournament, it's just one more 300, it's just one arrow at a time. I talk to myself a lot, just to try to calm my emotions and myself down a little bit. And it's it's got to be a little hard to separate that sometimes. I know for me, um, 
I get really excited to go to tournaments because I get to see a lot of people that I've met in my short time in archery. And then sometimes I don't realize that I might be giving my social part of it more importance than my actual performance part of it. Um, you know what I mean? Where, but that's maybe your coping mechanism, to be honest. It might be. Yeah, because I, I think I, you listen to Linda. I mean, Linda, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like do you have a hard time turning it off? Like your your brain went around archery? Are you always thinking about it as a professional? Uh, I, I just, I didn't understand completely the question. Well, so like, like, so it sounds like to me, you are always thinking about the sport of archery throughout your day. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's always, it sounds like your brain is wired to shoot a bow. Um, so, I mean, do you, ha- do you find it difficult sometimes to turn that off, to walk away from the sport and turn it, you know, not think about it? Uh, yeah. I mean, just since everything, all my life is related, like I feel like it drowns around archery sometimes it, it is hard to turn it off yeah yeah uh, so i don't i don't know steve probably as well as bridger but it, it, can steve walk away bridge and not like and probably want to say hey wife you need to chill out <laughs> or is he just as ocd about it wow. oh no he <laughs> is if he, if it was for him you know like sometimes it's just too much archery for him yeah. It's um, his work, and then he has to practice, and then he gets home, and I'm like, "Hey, guess what? I shot this yeah. and this, and I have." And he's like, "Oh, it's just too much." So, <laughs> I, you know, and I love archery. I love everything about it, and I feel like I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for archery. But yeah. for Steve, I feel like he can stop shooting today, and tomorrow he will be like, eh, "I'm just gonna go fishing, play golf, whatever." And to me, it's like the end of the world if I don't <laughs> right. shoot my ball, which I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> um, but I think for him, it's completely different. Gotcha. So, yeah, as far as, you know, we're talking about preparation, you you got, you going to Lancaster this year? Yes. So I'm going to Nîmes first. Okay. Wow. To France. Well, that's that's uh, and, not this weekend, but the next weekend, yeah? yeah. Yes. Man, I'm kind of uh-huh. jealous. So that, uh, well, we don't. We don't we say this weekend that weekend. That's the be the January seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways, Jason, what are you saying? So you're going to Neem and then Lancaster, and then basically and then two Vegas. weeks after that is Vegas. And then Vegas, mm-hmm. yes. So that's that's three different tournaments, three different styles, pretty much that you've got to prepare for. Is is it something that you you do um, different for each one? Where there'd be, you know, physically, do you? go and work out and then shoot your bow, change your diet. I don't know. What does, what does Um, Linda do to prepare for one of these tournaments? I mean, I feel like physically I just work the same. Like I go to a gym and I work out. I, I am not crazy about it. I just like, my goal is just to keep moving and, you know, like do something. Um, but for, I feel like right now for Neem, I'm shooting the three spot vertical target the target phase, um, which is what I'm doing different. And I'm focusing on five ends for eliminations. So I'm working on that because sometimes uh, I work like, and I practice too much for Vegas and I kind of forget about Neem and Lancaster, which they are important as well. So this year we got the the vertical target phases and I'm I'm just shooting those for... uh, Neem and Lancaster, and I'm trying just to shoot, um, you know, like scoring five ends and just trying to beat my last score and shoot it again and just picturing myself or 
visualize, visualizing myself shooting elimination rounds. And for Vegas, it's just uh, just shooting that target and shoot the best I can. I focus on my exes because, like, you, uh, I think Scott say that, like, sometimes we are just waiting to miss. Yeah. Uh, so I just I try to change my focus a little bit on exes instead of, like, if I'm going to miss or not. And just thinking, like, I'm going to shoot a 300. Like, that's it. That's in the box. So now we're just going to count the excess. Right. We, we actually just talked about that in our previous episode. Yeah, we sure did. How sometimes the 300 is, is already given and you're focused on, on just that X count. Yep. And a lot of people are still, you know, focused on, I got to get that 300 first. Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly with the kids, especially that we coach. Is I'm trying to get through their head that a 300 2X beats a 299 29 x every day, all the time. <laughs> they get obsessed with that X count. It's like get that darn three hundred, you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, like I'm in practice. I always for you know like excess, but then in Vegas, I don't care if I shoot a three hundred with fifteen X. Heck yeah, you know heck I mean? yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Just take that nine hundred with ten X's. I'm good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm good, and I feel like I just changed the way I see it, and I put it as a challenge. Like, it was hard for me to shoot a 300 in Vegas. I didn't do it until, like, two years ago. And I think it was just in my mind, like, oh, 300, that's, like, the best thing ever. And then you think about it, and I'm like, well, I shoot it often in, in um, practice. So it should be easy. Not easy, but it should be, you know, like, it's not impossible to right. shoot it in tournaments. So I just, instead of me thinking I'm going to go and win Vegas, I changed my mind to I'm just going to focus on me, in my score, like I just won a 300. Right. So I did it and I've done it two times and now I'm like, okay, let's see how many 300s I can shoot. Right. I'm just trying to change a little bit so I don't go there with big expectations of winning Vegas if never before I shot a 300, right. you know what I mean? So you're setting realistic goals for yourself that are obtainable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, before shooting my 300, I was like, okay, Linda, slow down. Yes, you want to be, I think winning Vegas, it's always there. That's a goal that it's there. I just don't think about it every single day. Right. And what I did is baby steps. Should I should I 300 first? That right. should be your goal. Yeah. And now I did it two times. So now I'm like, okay, shoot two 300s. You know, let's see how many 300s you can shoot. Like, I'm sure uh, once you do it, if you shoot 300s, you're going to be in a shoot-off or win Vegas. Like, you have, like, I try to slow down, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's better than putting all that pressure. It's, it's enough pressure already because it's what I think is the world's largest archery tournament, correct? Mm -hmm. Bridge? Yeah. By a wide margin. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, and the pressure is always there. Oh, you know, gosh. The yeah. is, <laughs> they, right. Their pressure is always there. So it, it depends on how people deal with it. And it, it's different for every person. So for me, it's just slowing down and just try to go and do the best I can. And if I didn't do it, I'm going to keep trying. I think Vegas is a tournament. I'm going to keep going until I'm, you know, like shaking with my bow and old. And... <laughs> so is that, is that the, shoot with us? Is Vegas the big one that you want to win? Put in your resume. Uh, it is. It yeah. is. I was close two years ago and that only made me want it more. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. what, you, what happened two years ago, huh? What was it? Uh, second place? It was Alexis. Yeah, I got second in a shootoff. She shot three X's. I missed one. And, oh. You know, it was close, but still. And it only made me want it more. 
Yeah, that's all. We have runner up. That's got to be a tough one. But God darn us, it's pretty amazing accomplishment, though. <laughs> Thank you. For Thank sure. you, bud. But yeah, I love Vegas. I love the tournament and everything that represents uh, seeing that many people there and all the vending area, you know, like the booths and all that. It's just, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, that one's definitely a different environment of any other shoot you go to. I mean, yeah. all the ASAs, yeah, they're everywhere has their own deal, but they're all fairly similar. Right. Um, a lot of the NFAs, but like are similar as far as like, indoor nationals versus uh the dakota classic versus outdoor field nationals but vegas is kind of its own weird little entity that you go to every year i don't for me it always i that's the one i can go out go on here and i've gone weeks at a time without shooting a nine and i'll walk into vegas and shoot a nine on my first day (laughs) i did it last year (laughs) and then walk through i shot X nine X and then walked through the rest of the tournament and didn't even have an arrow that was halfway even close to a nine wow. last year. Um but yeah it's it's definitely different to shoot that that yeah. tournament. So Hey Linda, I got a question. Are you did you ever shot or are you planning on shooting the OPA event? I yes. So I shot it I've shot it two times. Okay. The first time I was second behind Paige and then last yeah, last year I didn't shoot very good, so I didn't even make the shoot down. Wow, gotcha. What did you think of that event as far as, you know, the scoring, knowing the artist, things like that? Did you like it? Uh, yes, I really liked it. It was, you know, like kind of like a 3D, but no, knowing the distances and yeah. having somewhere to aim at, which is awesome. Right. Because in 3D, you, you, you don't. Right. So, and I like aiming, so I need like a spot, you know, so that... <laughs> And for me, shooting that much target, sometimes it gets boring. Yeah. So having different tournaments makes me feel, um, you know, more relaxed. And, yeah, I like having some stuff, something else. Now, do you ever shoot field archery? Oh, I love field. Yes. So let me ask you a question because Bridger and I have talked about this a lot. Maybe you could share your insight. I mean, why do you think the field archery sport's dying? Because you hear about it all over the place. I mean, it's a dying sport. I mean, I, I, I've i heard that, but I don't think every time I go to a field tournament, well, you know what? I don't go to that many that now that I think about it, but I do go to world championships and like around the world, I don't feel like it's dying. No, definitely I, I don't not. get that well, feeling. And you can't forget that, Linda, you are the record holder for Reading, which is a field tournament. She is? Yeah. you. Sh- if wow. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you... Uh, you shot the highest score ever shot in the women's championship class this past year, yeah? I did last year, yes. <laughs> Dang. This girl's got a her, lot more her, crap. Linda's, I, head won't, Linda's head's going to have a hard time fitting through the you're door. Extremely, you're extremely humble. <laughs> you're extremely <laughs> humble, young lady. Extremely humble. No, it's uh, that tournament. So I've never shot that tournament before until I moved here. And Steve is all about that tournament. So I had no idea what to expect, you know, which I feel like somehow it helped me uh, because let's be honest, like Paige kills it. Uh, you know, every field tournament, she shoots awesome. So my only goal was like, oh, just uh, be close to Paige, in, you know, score wise. Yeah. Just if, I, if I'm close to her, I know I can do something. And I was second two times. So I've been I've been shooting that tournament for three years i was second two times the first two and then i won last year so i knew i just need to be there um 
close to Paige. Yeah, that's cool. So, you know, it's funny you talk about, like, with Paige and Tanja and, and uh, all the girls that are professionals. Do you guys all get along pretty well, it seems like? Yeah, we do. We yeah. do. I am very thankful about it. Um, Paige is, you know, she's like a great ambassador, especially for women. And she's not afraid of tell you and teach you things. And um, Tanya, she shoots awesome everywhere and we are we are all from different countries so it's fun it's fun to hang out and just we're different but at the same time we have like same goals so it's fun that's cool yeah and that's one thing i love about the sport of archery is that from a professional level even down in the amateur ranks i mean it's a pretty pretty good camaraderie team environment i think all up and down you know yeah it is and we know we all want to win but we are still nice to each other. Well, we are still friends and rooting for each other, you know. That's so what that's, I was going to say. I see you all, you guys become cheerleaders if you're if one of the you guys makes the makes the finals and the shootoffs and I think that's awesome to watch. Just yeah, li- it's just listening to you guys talk about this, my my little hamster inside my head was spinning. Yeah. You know, we're trying to promote the sport and get more women. I think one of these days we're going to host an all women's podcast. We got to do that. And just get all you ladies on here and you know <laughs> that will be that will be awesome and i think uh which is very interesting about like us right now i think we have one of the main goals we have is just uh share the sport and help uh the women's side grow and i always felt like in mexico it was being um in the mexican team so many years and um winning that you know like champion uh, national championships or whatever part of my responsibility was help archery grow in mexico in the country and you can't help if you're mean or if you don't want anyone else to win of course you want to win but everyone else wants that too and if you can help so part you know like i see it as a responsibility as well like it's a big thing for us uh we, I, f- I feel like we should help, if that makes sense. Like, it's part of our, you know, like, we need to, we are always complaining, like, oh, my gosh, this is not growing. Uh, what's happening? Or, you know, we want archery to be big, so we need to help. And in the women's side, you always hear, like, crazy stories, you know, like, oh, no, they always fight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't see it now. I don't see that. Then I feel like we have the same goals, just help help young archers and women uh, and just get into archery and go to tournaments. I feel like that that's what we do. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy cause I'm, I'm seeing a different, and I agree with everything you said as a coach on the ASA side, especially, and I'm going to speak to it. And even on the USAT and Bridger, you may share some light on this and I'm going to go on, on a touchy subject, but you know, some of these kids that are coming up now in that 12 to 15, 16 year old age bracket, and I think I hate to say this, but a lot of it's appearance. Um, man, they're 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 cutthroat. I mean, I've got two youngsters who shoot in that uh, young adult class in ASA, and it is cutthroat. Um, some of the things that I hear that come off the course and the banter, some of the the pressure that's being put on individual shooters within the group is pretty crazy. Matter of fact, I've got one of our young kids is going to go shoot. He shot his last term of the year, came out a young adult, and went and showed straight to nine, known 50s and made and placed a top 20. And the kid can flat out shoot. But the one thing that he took away from that tournament, he said, my gosh, it was so nice to be around of a bunch of guys who were supportive and not trying to, to tear me down to win. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, when you get to be an adult, we just don't do that anymore. And I think it's something that we need to really keep an eye on. And I, I think it's all coming from the parents, is my opinion. I was going to say it's exclusively the parents. Yeah. That do I mean, that. because you what it is, I mean, and Linda, you're a great example. I mean, you've got a bunch of young girls out there who want to be Linda Ochoa. I mean, you have a, I think you have a, a, a bigger responsibility than most of the other archers out there. Even Bridger sitting next to me. I mean, there's kids that idolize you guys, you know? So it's, and so what's happening, I think indirectly, the parents see someone like you have this great success, somewhat make a living shooting a bow, and they want that for their children so bad that, man, the parents, I mean, I've coached travel baseball. I've done, coached some pretty crazy sports at a high level, and God, the parents, woo! <laughs> and, and you know what? I agree with you. When I was in Mexico, I worked uh, as a coach for five years, actually. And um, it's just the, you will see some attitudes on the kids, and then you meet the parents, and you're like, oh, it makes sense. <laughs> okay, I, I understand now. And um, I don't get me wrong. Some of them are great and are, you know, like some parents – they want to do the best they can for the kids, and they're awesome. But some older is like, oh, my gosh, I think the problem is their dad or their mom. Oh, or yeah. I don't know. It's just uh, – but when you get to the field and you're by yourself, like an ASA, you're by yourself and you see people shooting and the other archers being support supportive to you, like, that's awesome. When I shot my first tournament, the, my first ASA, um, Sharon Chris, Sharon. Uh, Wallace, yeah, I think that's, yeah. Yeah, she texted me. She sent me a Facebook a Facebook message, like really nice, like hey, um, re- you know, like we're happy to have you here. You are an awesome shooting, just like shooter, just keep doing it. Blah blah blah. We're happy. You, yeah, like I felt welcome. Heck yeah, and- them girls are awesome. Yeah, you guys are awesome as far as you know. Like I said, keeping the camaraderie of the sport in, but and I and I hope that our young people will embrace that as a mature in the sport, and that's why I think it's so important for you. You know. Archers like you to be integrated with those young people for sure. And that's cool. Uh, yeah, well, thank you. I feel like even in social media, we we have a, res- a big responsibility on it as well because we uh, people see us as an example. And I want to, you know, do the best I can. And um, if I want to help, if I can help someone, why not? And I right. try to, I try, that's why I'm like, yeah. When they ask me if you get nervous, yeah, I get nervous all the time. Right. Like it's it's okay to be nervous. Like I don't want to feel like I don't want them to feel like you have gross. some you have some superpower. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, yeah. So I try to be just clear and transparent yeah. about it. But right. if I can help, I'm happy to do it. So to wrap it up, if you had to give advice to a young female archer out there who's you know got some talent and they want to aspire to be like Linda. Um, what would you t- what would what advice would you give them? I mean, how should they approach this moving forward? So I think I know I feel like I'm gonna go th- towards towards this because you mentioned something about like she has the potential, you know, to be a pro and um, just dedicate herself for archery and all that. I feel like I've gotten that question so many times, like how what can I do to be a pro or being a pro is the goal in my archery career, and I feel like it's okay. To have that as a goal but if your goal is instead of that winning tournaments breaking records breaking world records or just shooting my bow because i love shooting my bow winning tournaments if you change that you know like those goals i feel like being a pro is gonna come like you're gonna be a pro yeah but you need to have your goals maybe set dif- a little bit different 
because sometimes just having like that big of a goal in front of us can uh, it can blind us. Right. So sometimes being a pro is just like it's great. It's great being a pro, but I have, I don't feel like that should be your ultimate goal. You well, know, like just change a little bit the perspective, and I'm sure you're gonna be a pro anyways because that's gonna come. But just um, aim for winning tournaments. Aim for shooting higher scores. You know. Like like being a pro is a result of all those yeah. all those other things. It's an accumulation of all those other things happening. Yeah. Exactly. Well because all those it can other be frustrating. Goals. Yeah, it can be frustrating. Just um, or sometimes we win a tournament, we want to be sponsored, but that works different. It doesn't work that way. So I think um, you know if we change the mindset on that, I think that can help. Yeah, without a doubt. You guys got any more questions? Linda, you got anything you want to share with us? Are you got any I mean, questions for us? We've touched just about everything, yeah. and you know this is this is a part that I would like to uh, start calling from now on, getting to know the archer. So, yeah. Linda, if you want to share anything, like what's one of the craziest, funniest things that you've encountered yeah. in, in archery, traveling, or, or you know, oh, uh, so many things. Uh, so I I can't even uh, start. But what's your favorite? I mean. I've been in Colombia in a tournament where I got my backpack stolen with my passport oh, and no. medals and all that. <laughs> oh. I've been traveling. <laughs> I tra I've traveled to a new country without knowing that I needed a visa. So I had to go back. That was crazy and embarrassing, but I don't care. I'm saying it. <laughs> um, I've, I don't know. There's just so many crazy stories and I think, I think my favorite one is just meeting Steve. It sounds cheesy, but no. we met we met in an archery tournament. We met in Colombia, and I never felt like I I never thought I was gonna move countries for someone, but I did. So uh, that's my favorite. So uh, you want to tell? Uh, I want you to tattletale on Steve. What's the one thing that Steve does that really bugs you? Just one. I'm oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we can list three. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, um, he's such a great guy. Uh, oh, he is funny. Is he sitting next I to you? I laugh all the time. He, I, I don't think he does it anymore, but he, when he used to, like, shoot bat or something, he, you, you know, like, he used to kick chairs or like, punch <laughs> chairs. <laughs> and that would drive me crazy. Crazy. Because... To me, it's like, hey, don't you think I feel the same way? But I keep it to myself. <laughs> I don't well, show it. I'll, I'll defend Steve on that. I think that's a basketball thing. Because yeah. what's a, the coach yeah. that throws oh, yeah. the chairs Bobby, at Bobby Knight. Oh, Bobby Knight there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, and he used to play, he used to play mm -hmm. basketball, and he told me, like, Duh. you know, Linda, like, I, it's okay to show my emotions. Like, yeah. what's wrong with this? And I think it's because I grew up into archery, and he did so many different sports that yeah. – you know, it does. But that's, that will drive me crazy. That's and why he's then, so hyper-competitive, though. And then I was the wife, so I had to be there. And <laughs> I didn't want to be there. <laughs> that's awesome. So it's just... And um, it was also hard to, at least for me, to uh, learn how to be with someone having exactly the same feelings, you know, like when yeah. we both lost a tournament, like he was pissed and I was pissed and then I was mad at him because he wasn't mad because i lost you know it was just like <laughs> like you just care about yourself and I, you know 
So yeah. we have to learn how to deal with this. And right. now we're good. We're good. Everything is fine. But it was hard because yeah. we are competitive and um, we also needed to see the other one go through their own emotions. <laughs> so what does Linda Choa do for fun outside of archery? What's your favorite thing to do? Uh, I like reading. I like being with friends. Maybe like my my favorite thing, which I miss now that I don't live in Mexico. Right. I used to go out with my friends every time I I could when I was in Mexico. Right. Just hanging out. It, it, yeah. We didn't need to go any, you know, like anywhere else. It can be just in a house playing um, board games and being with friends. Right. I love that. I I feel like laughing. I get to laugh with my friends about silly things. And I love it. Right. That's cool. That's good. Awesome. Well, Linda, I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, we, You've been a blast to have on. You're our first uh, actual guest mm -hmm. speaker that we've Already? had. Oh, yeah. Wow. So you're going to be the rookie that gets to roll this thing out. <laughs> I'm honored. Yeah. So if we, get a big, if we get a big dip in plays, ratings. if we get a big dip in ratings, we're going to know. We're going <laughs> <laughs> to. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. No, but I, we really appreciate you taking the time out to talk with us. I, I think it's been insightful. I, I can tell you there's going to be a bunch of young ladies who are going to listen to this who are going to take get a lot out of it. And I, I appreciate that more than anything because I really was excited to have you on uh, for that reason because we've, we've got so many youngsters that are influential. You are influential to them and more than you can know. And I, and I, I wanted you to be able to share your experiences with them. And I think it's pretty awesome. So, oh, thank you. I appreciate well, and I uh, appreciate that. And thank you guys for support archery and just, um, do what you do. Yeah. Thank you. And, and good luck this year. You got a heck of a, I know schedule probably this year and there's a lot of archery to be shot in the next four weeks. So, you know, go out there and kick some button. Get that mental game in check, like you say. So, <laughs> thank you, thank right. you guys. Thank you very much. Right, Take Linda. care. Linda. Have a good one. Bye bye. Well, that was our first guest. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I'll tell you what, she is crazy humble. I had no idea she set a, a record at Reading. Oh no, I. <laughs> That's she's... unbelievable. I mean, Reading is yeah. no joke. I don't know if you, the listeners, you guys, go look up Reading. On YouTube and look at some of these shots that they got to take. I mean, from a from a like an international. If you look, if you look up like international field tournaments, like FIDA Field, uh, yeah. the Pro Series stuff when they had that, it's not overtly and or over uh, technical. But especially for like me coming from Iowa, coming from flatland deal, and like if you've never shot field before, it is extremely technical. Um, yeah. So yeah, and. Right. And for her to shoot the score she did, I think she shot like six down, which is what I shot. And that's six the best down? that's the best I've ever shot at that tournament. That's crazy. That and I've been there for five I've shot this past year is my fifth year, I think. Yeah. But that's that's unbelievable because I mean seriously, I had no idea she had some of the records that she yeah. had and some done some of the things in archery. I mean, and I follow the sport pretty closely and that's she's extremely humble. Oh, she's cool. I, like, I, I, love, I love that. I love Linda. You know, hanging out it's with her funny too. because cool. I, I we may have to do a, like a Linda two point Oh, I, I think it's well, and I'm gonna tell you why. There were some things I wanted to get into, but God darn the 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 conversation was going so organically, I didn't want to change. But you know, there are some things I wanted to ask her about, which you know, one of my big ones for me is, you know, the the payout disparity between men and fe male and female. I think sometimes that could probably maybe influence, you know, whether women, you know, what do they do to get that that prize money up to where it, you know, yeah. there's equality in sports and everything, but I think it's something that needs to be addressed well, in archery. And some, I will say that stuff's kind of headed in the right direction because now, now more than ever before, there are more women that are shooting as their job, correct? Than 
ever before. Right. And I, I mean, think you, look, manu- you know, and honestly, manufacturers, and I, I, I'll say this as Manufacturers a, do a great job of putting weight behind the women now, more, more than ever before. If I was a manufacturer, I would be equal or have my women paid more than men because they're going to sell more bows than guys will. Oh, That's bang my for buck, dude. Paige, I bet Paige sells more bows. Oh, Paige and Linda. Without a doubt. And Tanya and all, Sharon Carpenter sell I mean, more bows than... And not to I get, mean, excluding like guys like Levi or right, Chance, or but I mean, still, your your poster child guys. But but at the end of the day, and you know, and I hate to say it, but you know, the the archery industry is no different than any other industry out there. I mean, Linda Page, the girls we're talking about, they're beautiful, they're marketable as all get out. Um, they're going to be. I think they're going to push more product than most dudes will. I mean, well, look, look, at Bridger, look at Bridger Deaton. I mean, come on. I, I'm not buying a bow because of the way you look, bro. Yeah, I'd buy a bow. <laughs> they're, a hell a lot smarter, they're a hell of a lot smarter than we are, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. Easy. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I, you know, maybe we will do a Linda 2.0 or, yeah. because I think there was a lot of subject matter that I had going through my head, but I looked over at Jason. I'm like, where are we at on time? And he told me, and I about fell out of my chair. I mean, it just, it just went quick and, and smooth. You know, you, you yeah. can't help that. Yeah, that was cool. So we'll, we'll definitely do a go around, and and you know what? This is going to give our listeners a chance to, if if there's topics that we didn't address, yeah, mm-hmm. you guys need to post the questions. Let us know what post you what you want us to to ask. Hope and and hopefully, I mean, I don't know when we're going to officially release this podcast, but probably uh, hopefully before Vegas. But no, oh, it should. Be. I think we're 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 talking about trying to do uh, uh, a couple live interviews in Vegas if we can get our some equipment there and right. find find a space to be able to do it. So. Um, I mean, that'll probably be the next opportunity we have to ask questions to like Linda, yeah. definitely try and get with like Paige and a couple of the other women shooters as well as men shooters too. Um, well, you, so you know what right would be really cool? To ask questions and stuff. It would be really cool to get Linda and Steve on at the same time. That you would mean, be archery power couples. Oh my gosh. It'll be so funny. Because you know Anderson really well, and probably I mean, can I mean, really Steve, get him to throw Steve him under Paige, the bus. Or, uh, Steve and Linda, and then get uh, Tate, Paige, Paige. And Paige. Oh my gosh, oh, yeah. it'll be so funny. That would be hilarious. But yeah, no, it was a good. I think it's a great episode. I hope you guys will enjoy it. Um, I was excited that 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 she was awesome. I mean, awesome, great ambassador for the sport. So hope you all enjoyed it. Um, like Jason said, man, get back with us on topics that you want us to cover. I was trying to not get as technical into it, but I don't know how technical Linda is. Maybe that's something we could talk about later on 2.0 with her maybe. But um, yeah, and I'm, I mean, I've talked to her one-on-one before when I was going through my, my spiels of man, am I doing the right thing or whatnot? And just like Bridger said, you know, it's easy. Just make a couple tweaks here and there, shoot your bow, and let that dictate. Yeah. I think a lot of people... Definitely put way too much thought and emphasis oh. into into the technicalities That's, versus going and shooting I, your bow. I can't wait till we do the archery MythBusters episode because I got a laundry list of stuff. Oh, I'm sure, about. especially with everything There's going so, on around the, right now. That episode is going to be so easy because you'll just say something that'll be like, ah, doesn't matter. That <laughs> <laughs> doesn't right. matter. Doesn't matter. I had a guy in here the other day who come in and was talking about he weighed all of his arrows and one arrow was six grains off. And was like uh, freaking out. Yeah, I I, I had another I, customer the same way, and I, he said he had a couple of arrows that were so, like they were all within like five grains. Well, I, I, you know, yeah. So this one gets like, even better. So you know how we we always talk about how we could do a whole podcast just on Target Archery Unlimited, the post on there because it's <laughs> hilarious. And I, there was a guy in there who actually sent a picture of an arrow that uh, he got it at Cabela's. They had uh, cut and inserted them. And the, the tech had probably pushed too hard on the saw. And I'm talking maybe three thousandths 
off center, maybe just a mm-hmm. hair, so that his insert, when it was sitting flush on one side of the, oh, the shaft, it was not one completely squared off. Had a little gap. Uh, had a, I'm talking three thousands gap, dude. I mean, you could visually see it. Wasn't that big of a deal. These are hunting arrows, mind you, and had bought a a, whole, a dozen probably, arrows. Probably zero zero six plus or minus oh, yeah. two grain. Oh yeah, weight taller. And, and get this. So <laughs> and he goes in there and on the forum it says, you know, should I be ticked off about this? Should I ask for the whole set to be replaced or just this one? And I, when I read the comments, I absolutely was flabbergasted. And this is why people. I mean, the sport's just getting out of hand to a degree because they were all to everyone. No, you need to take them back. They need to replace all those for well, you. And I wanted to chime in, and, but as a shop owner, I can't. Yeah. Well, that and, arrow, I almost said, look, bro, go shoot that arrow at 40 yards. Shoot it with the rest of your group. And if you think that arrow, if it flies outside the group, then go get it replaced. I will 99.9% guarantee and bet you it will fly with the rest of the arrows. No, I mean, obviously, this is like a... a this is a podcast. Yeah, we got to have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, yeah. like, man, one thing I always tell people is like, look, guys like myself, Steve, gals like Linda and Paige, manufacturers pay us not only to shoot their stuff, but to answer your questions. Right. Like, yes, Archery Talk's an awesome resource. Resource. Uh, the Facebook groups like uh, Target Archery Unlimited and Bowhunter World or whatever is on there, awesome resources, but... Man, just messages. Yeah. I know for a fact, like, I I respond to all my stuff. If I'm doing something the other day, yeah, I'm not going to respond to it right away. But I respond to every message I can, every message I see. So does Steve. So does Paige. Paige is unbelievably good at it. Right. She's crazy good at right. responding to messages. Linda is as well. Like, we get paid to answer these questions because we know more about it than the average shooter right. or the average person. Like, I'm not saying don't try to use whatever resource you can, but... Man, we get paid for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, no, exactly. And like, and we're all selfless enough. And yeah, we get paid by certain manufacturers to promote certain products. But we'll answer a question on anything you have. Like, right. I get paid by Elite to shoot their bows and Easton to shoot their arrows and B-Singer shoot their bars and you know everybody else. But like, I'll answer a question about a Scott release, even mm-hmm. though I shoot True Ball, or I'll right. I'll help somebody out with their Gold Tip arrows or Black Eagle arrows, right. even though I shoot Easton right. or a Hoyt bow or Matthews bow. Like, yeah. At one point, you've been there. You know these products. Well, A, I know the products. B, every time another company makes more money, like it helps the entire industry. Absolutely. Everybody helping everybody else. Yeah, agreed. I don't know, man. I I changed my whole view on all this when I heard about a guy that cut off a piece of the arrow from the back. And yeah, we talked about front. that already, didn't mm-hmm. we? Yeah, yeah famous, I think we did. The famous that's last arrow. week's episode. Yeah, no mm-hmm. kidding. Yeah, so so well anyway. We'll wrap it up. I know we've been on for a while now, but uh, we got a lot of guests coming up over the next, what, Jason, four to five weeks. We probably will have a lot of guest speakers coming in. Jason yeah. said he's got a whole laundry list. Mm-hmm. Of them, I so. think our next our next recording we're going to be with uh, Crystal. Shooter Crystal Govan. Yeah. Who, she's, well, she's very successful compound shooter. Yeah, going to and recurve. then only re- recently, the last few years, uh, switched to recurve to try yeah. and chase the whole uh, Tokyo Olympics deal. So, yep. Um, that'll be cool. Yeah. Cool to talk about. Absolutely. And, um, right after that, will be Vegas, and I'll be in. I'll be in Lancaster in a couple of weeks, and I'll talk to a few people. Try and get, try and get a couple of folks to call in and. Cool. That's yeah, we've got some. We've got some pretty interesting guests lined up, so yeah. uh, awesome. it's going to be fun. Send your questions and let us know what you think. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Thank folks. You.